Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Welcome to episode 85 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Bet Online and by Deal Dash. Go check out both of those websites and we'll have some good deals for you during the break. So, yep, the Lions on Monday were able to start working out. Now, didn't hear from any of the Lions players or coaches on Monday and didn't really see much by way of social media posts on Monday about the workout, so a little bit kind of out there, a little bit not sure what happened here on day one, but there are a couple of things that did occur in the world of the Lions that are worth kind of mentioning here a little bit, and we'll first start with some good news, which is that the Lions had a player come off of the COVID reserve list, tight end Isaac Nada is now active and eligible after popping up on the COVID reserve list on Thursday, which meant that he had a positive test, or not necessarily a positive test, but, you know, either came in close contact or had a positive test on Wednesday because he came off a few days after the back-to-back days that are required for close contact. One can surmise that he potentially had a positive test and then took at least two negative tests within the past five days, allowing him to come off of the list. So that's good news potentially for the Lions and for Isaac Nada, who's competing for a roster spot potentially with Hunter Bryant, the undrafted rookie from Washington, and maybe fullbacks Nick Bodden and Luke Sellers. There is also this. Wide receiver Geronimo Allison opted out on Sunday. We all know that. I talked about it a little bit on yesterday's podcast, but he explained his reasoning for opting out in an Instagram post, and I will read that to you now. Quote, one of the greatest joys of my life has been playing professional football. I wasn't sure anything could ever top that until my wife and I welcomed a beautiful baby girl into the world just a few months ago. I reported to training camp as a new dad, hopeful to play this season. However, with still so much uncertainty around this very scary virus and the intense desire to protect the health and well-being of my family, I have decided to opt out of this season. I want to thank the Detroit Lions organization, the Ford family, and the National Football League for allowing me to play the game I love and supporting me through this unbelievably difficult decision. I am looking forward to next season. That's Geronimo Allison explaining that he is opting out because... He is a new dad and has concerns about what the virus could mean and could bring. And that's 
very valid, as we've talked about. There's no bad reason for a player to opt out. Every decision is personal, but we've seen it with a few other players around the league and across sports that they're opting out because they are new parents. And Geronimo Allison showed up and then clearly did not feel comfortable with something, whether it's the reality of the disease or maybe something he saw or just being out there and in the facility maybe gave him second thoughts. I don't know, but it's clear he wanted to play and then realized that, no, he he feels like he should opt out. So what does that mean? That means that Geronimo Allison's contract, based off everything I understand, will now kick in in 2021, which, frankly, for Geronimo Allison, might not be the worst thing in the world because we've talked about this before how so many of the Lions receivers are in the final year of their contract. Kenny Galladay, although we anticipate that he will get a contract extension right now in the final year of his deal. Marvin Jones, final year of his contract. Danny Amendola, final year of his contract. Marvin Hall, final year of his contract. So now all of a sudden, Geronimo Allison could be a guy that the Lions can count on in 2021 to maybe be a receiver for them. He's still young. He'll be, I believe, 27 years old next year. So he's still in the prime of his career. We know what he can do. You've seen it in Green Bay. So Geronimo Allison will now be on the, not necessarily on the team, but he'll have his contract told till next year. And we'll, we shall see what happens with him going forward. But that is Geronimo Allison's reason for opting out. It's also expected we're going to hear from some Lions players later today. So tomorrow's podcast will cover some of that. And it'll be the first time we hear from any Lions players since they started camp and really since they started testing. It's been pretty quiet as far as the football stuff goes too on the Instagram and social media front when it comes to the Lions. So I'll be interested to see A, what players they make available by Zoom and be what those players have to say. What we're going to do on the podcast today, I was going to do it a week ago, but I didn't. So I'm going to do it this week. We're going to look at the Madden ratings of Lions players. And I have some obviously insight into that because I also kind of cover Madden sort of for ESPN and spent a lot of times with the ratings guru, Dustin Smith, last year when they were building ratings for rookies, and I understand how they're building ratings for veterans and some of the spreads that they've tried to implement in the game between Dustin and his partner, Andre Weingarten. So we will talk about that after the break and offer some insight into the Lions Madden ratings. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and goes up one cent. That's just one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else then has 10 seconds to answer, or guess what? The item's yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code ROTHSHOW 
or dealdash.fm backslash Rothshow. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash Rothshow. That's R-O-T-H-S-H-O-W. And sports are coming back. Heck, they are back. I had the Calgary Flames-Winnipeg Jets game on my television this afternoon. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week. And there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Big Game Bob. Bori, see what they had to say on what it'll be like without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's a promo code of BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now back to our show. So as I said before the break, we are going to hit on Madden ratings here. And just to get this out of the way to start, I am a gamer myself. I play a lot of Madden. I'm in a pretty high, highly intense Madden league. I talk Madden with players in the locker room back when we could be in the locker room all the time. I've played the game for years, honestly, since probably the original John Madden football. I've written a bunch of stories about Madden. So I know the game I play. By the way, if you listen to this and you ever feel like trying to play me, uh, I'm open to that. And you can hit me up on Twitter or on Instagram and uh, we can try and figure that out. So just throwing that out there. And if enough listeners wanted to do it, I would be open to a Madden League in Madden 21. Let me know. Let me know what you think. So, all right, let's look here at the ratings. So overall... We'll look at the player ratings. Just the player ratings, not the team ratings. Three Lions at 85 or above. Kenny Galladay and Trey Flowers are both 86s. Marvin Jones is an 85. I have no problem with any of those ratings based on kind of how, A, the Lions played last year, how individual players played, and also, frankly, how they do the ratings. Now, they've spread ratings out more than ever before. They started doing it last year. They continued doing it this year. So while a guy might look lower than he is, or you might think he would be in real life, look at him compared to his peers. Look at where he sits among other people at his position, because that's where it really goes. It starts at the top and they basically do this. They say, okay, well, We'll use Kenny Galladay as an example. Is Kenny Galladay better than Keenan Allen? Okay, where is Kenny Galladay maybe better than Keenan Allen? At each, we're just picking that as an example, at each of the 50-plus ratings that they have, and they will slot players in based on every individual rating. And they go through it meticulously. Less, it is less of, less intense with veterans on a year-over-year because they're updating them throughout the regular season. But for rookies, that's what they literally do. Last year, I watched them sit and go literally grade by grade, rating by rating through Kyler Murray. They watch a ton of tape. Dustin and Andre, who are the two guys who do it, watch maybe more 
film than anybody I know that's outside of being a coach. Definitely more than most media members. I watched them literally probably watch a couple of hours of Kyler Murray film just while deciding his rating. That's on top of the film they had watched beforehand. These guys inhale football. They understand the game. They also talk to a lot of players and a lot of coaches to gain insight. So when they have guys rated... Yeah, you might disagree with them. Players disagree with them, obviously. Fans definitely do. And it's why they have the in-season adjustments. It's why they have the ratings adjusters. It's why they have some other things that they have that they're working on for the future to help further improve both the game and the ratings. But let's start there. So the highest rated players are Kenny Galladay, Trey Flowers, and Marvin Jones. Kenny Galladay is an 86 overall and sure, you might disagree with that. I totally understand. But Kenny Galladay is the tied for 20th best receiver in the game. Marvin Jones tied for the 23rd best receiver in the game. But I look at this list, right? And I can only see one or two receivers that are above Kenny Galladay that I might take issue with. And it wouldn't shock me if Galladay has a good season if he leaps both of those guys. One is A.J. Green, who's an 88. A.J. Green hasn't had the best couple of seasons. He's been dealing with an injury. But when A.J. Green's healthy, he's been one of the best receivers in the game. So I understand where that rating comes in. The other rating, maybe you can have a question about is Emmanuel Sanders, but Emmanuel Sanders to me is an 87. That's really close to where he is. And yeah, I've got no problem with Kenny Galladay being an 86. He's tied with Robert Woods, Juju Smith-Schuster, both of those guys, very talented receivers, and Galladay's probably on par with both of those guys. Now, he's coming off a Pro Bowl appearance, and if he plays like he did last year, then I think there's absolutely the possibility that he ends up being a 90 or above by the end of the season. So then there is Marvin Jones. He's tied at 85 with Jarvis Landry, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks. That's actually a really good rating for Marvin Jones considering, uh, I mean, he was playing well last year before Stafford got hurt and then he got hurt himself. When he's been healthy, again, he's one of the better deep ball receivers in the NFL. He's one of the better contested catch receivers in the NFL. But I you know, I don't know. I think I don't know if he's at that level with Jarvis Landry and DJ Moore. I think obviously they're both younger and they're more maybe ascending receivers, but yeah, I mean I think that's a very good rating for Marvin Jones. Uh, some of the guys he's ahead of, he's ahead of Alshon Jeffries, ahead of Devontae Parker. He's ahead of Cortland Sutton. So 85 is is maybe a good spot. He's ahead of Calvin Ridley because of what Marvin Jones has already proven. But, you know, I, I don't think he would be much higher than that or should be much higher than that. Then you look at Trey Flowers, who's the Lions' highest rated defensive player. He's an 86. He's tied with Eric Armstead and former Lion in Dominican Sioux. I think that's a good spot for him. I look at who is ahead of him and directly ahead of them at 87 is Brandon Graham and Stefan Tuitt. I, I think both those players have better seasons than Trey Flowers last year, maybe better players overall. Also Brandon Graham in that group at 87. But every player above that is one of the elite, elite, elite defensive ends in the game. So Trey Flowers is probably where he should be. He's ahead of D. Ford and Justin Houston, who are at 85, and then 
Jarrell Casey and Ryan Kerrigan are at 84. So I think it's a good spot for him. I think he's correctly placed. And to me, that, that makes a ton of sense. So, all right, those are the top three Lions. To me, this is the biggest, one of the bigger surprises is the Lion who's the fourth highest rated is Justin Coleman at an 84. Listen, Coleman's one of the better slot receivers or slot corners in the game. And if you've played the game, you know that there are different archetypes in it. So Justin Coleman, I haven't seen it exactly, but he's likely an 84 because of slot. Not because of necessarily his overall play as he would be as an outside receiver. I would imagine some of his outside receiver skills probably or outside corner skills against those receivers probably are a bit lower. And you've seen that in the game where a guy's very heavy as a slot. His ratings are much higher as that. So I would imagine that's where Justin Coleman fits in and why his rating is so high. But, you know, I think that's based a lot off of reputation as well because Justin Coleman is paid like, or going into last season when he signed the free agent deal, was paid as the best slot corner in the NFL, highest paid, that is. I think he came in as one of the better slot corners in the NFL. He looked like it for part of the season, and then kind of as Detroit's season fell apart, Coleman also had to go outside to play more against taller receivers on the outside versus his role in the slot, and I think that that hurt him. But, yeah, I mean, I again... From a pure slot perspective, I can understand the rating. Overall, compared to other cornerbacks, I think that that could be, frankly, a little bit generous. But again, it I think it goes in some ways to, like I was talking about, the archetype situation that you're looking at when it comes to Justin Coleman. He's tied with guys like A.J. Boye and Shaquille Griffin. I don't know if he's as good as either one of those players, although Boye has bounced around a bit the last couple of years. So, again, something to consider. You look at the guys ahead of him. Certainly, I don't think there's anybody ahead of him that you can argue that Justin Coleman should be ahead of. If anything, I look at some of the guys behind him, you know, guys like Jimmy Smith, Joe Hayden, Adoree Jackson, that maybe should be ahead of him a little bit, Xavier Howard being another guy. But that's where that slot situation comes in. And, again, right behind him at 83 is Desmond Trufant, who... Yeah, I mean, I think that Trufant has is a that's a good slot for him based off of other guys. He's not an elite corner. We know that at this point. He's a very good corner. He he's a guy who can be a number one, and he's proven in the league over a bunch of years. And that to me makes sense where he's at. I think Frank Ragnow as a center could be a bit underrated at eighty three, and he's the Trufant and Ragnow are two of a quartet of Lions players at 83, including Matthew Stafford and Jamie Collins. We'll get to Stafford in a bit. But Frank Ragnow, to me, might be one of the more underrated Lions players in this game. He was playing at a... I I think he could end up being a pro bowler as early as this year, depending how he plays and how the Lions play. And, you know, that's something to really take in consideration. I think down the road, he's going to be a guy who's very highly rated in this game. But... You know, 83, not the highest rating, but then you look at the other ratings. There's no, there's, sorry, only two centers in the NFL who are rated over a 90. That's Jason Kelsey and Rodney Hudson. And, you know, he's in the top 10 among centers. He's eighth 
among centers. He's between David Andrews from the Patriots and Mitch Morse from the Bills. That that might be where he belongs. You can argue maybe he's better than David Andrews. Maybe he's better than Ryan Kelly, who's an 85. But I don't think he's in the top five of centers, which is Jason Kelsey, Rodney Hudson, Alex Mack, Brandon Linder, and Marquise Pouncey. So... Yeah, uh, but to me, Ragnar's a guy who could move up a lot this year if he continues to play well. Let's also address the Matthew Stafford rating at 83 right now. So one of the big things that they did was they tried to spread quarterbacks. And then they did that last year, and it's obviously carried over to this year. So you see Matthew Stafford, he's probably the Lions' best player, and you say he's an 83. I don't understand. He was playing an MVP level before he got hurt, and... How, how do they do that, right? Well, okay, here's what to consider. Matthew Stafford is tied with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's played better than Jimmy overall. And yeah, he probably should be rated higher than Jimmy Garoppolo. So who's at 84? Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz. I don't know. I, I would have a tough time moving Stafford ahead of either one of those players when it really comes to where he's playing. And yes, I think he was playing at an MVP caliber, Pro Bowl caliber level before he got hurt. But he's had back injuries and back-to-back years. That does come into account a little bit. And you look at it and say, okay, well, Dak Prescott had a really great year last year. Carson Wentz, really good quarterback. Maybe Matthew Stafford should be an 84. Beyond that, I don't think you can argue that he should be ahead of any other quarterbacks that are there. Patrick Mahomes is obviously a 99. Russell Wilson is a 97. Lamar Jackson is a 94. Drew Brees is a 93. Tom Brady is a 90. Aaron Rodgers is an 89. Matt Ryan's an 87. Deshaun Watson is an 86. Who there of those quarterbacks would Matthew Stafford be ahead of? I I can't say any of them. So maybe Matthew Stafford should have been an 80. Four instead of an 83. Again, if he continue, if he plays well, if he starts off this season like he was playing at the start of last season, I think he could very easily end up above some of these other quarterbacks pretty quickly. But a note on the quarterback spread, they did you know, quarterback's obviously the most intensely scrutinized position of the game, but they wanted to spread it out to make it more realistic that if you are playing with a guy like Matt Ryan, you're not playing at the same level as a Patrick Mahomes. And you look at, you know, the guys who are behind Matthew Stafford. Phillip Rivers is an 82. That, based off of how he played last year, might be a little bit of a, a kind of legacy situation there. Kirk Cousins is an 82. Stafford played better than him last year. Ben Roethlisberger is coming off a serious injury. He's an 81. Ryan Tannehill is an 80. Derek Carr is a 79. Baker Mayfield and Cam Newton are 78. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's any issue with where Stafford is slotted. Remember, too, as far as rookies go, they, they make rookies earn it. And they'll be the first ones to talk about it. You need to show over a majority of years, over multiple years, and that's how they move you up. And that happened with Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson last year started the game in his second season in the 70s. And what did he do? He became an MVP. So look where he is. He's on the cover and he's a 94. But as far as the spread goes, they're doing that in order to make it more realistic and really 
make it feel like you're playing with a guy who's a 90 overall or an 80 overall or a 70 overall or a 60 overall. Another place that they really did this, and they did this last year, and it definitely held up this year, was in throw power. Before, if you remember in prior iterations of the game, having a 90 throw power was a minimum to really have a quarterback, and that's just not the case anymore because of how they did that. Now, Matthew Stafford's throw power is extremely high. It's 94. It's tied for thirds, third in the game with Aaron Rodgers. It's just behind Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think anyone would question that Allen and Mahomes probably have the two strongest arms in the NFL, along with Matthew Stafford. So Matthew Stafford is in, to me, the right place there. But they spread the throw power out they tried to spread the ratings out again to make things feel more realistic and they did that last year it carried over to this year's game and we'll see how all of this shapes up when Madden comes out on August 28th but understand that that's just part of all of this some other ratings to note here when I look at the Lions TJ Hawkinson's a 77, and so is Tracy Walker. I think both of them are players that could, if they have breakout seasons, which a lot of people are hoping around Allen Park, both of those players do. Tracy Walker in his third year, TJ Hawkinson in season number two. If they do that, they could be fast risers among the Lions and really among players in the NFL and get into the 80s really, really quickly. Jeff Okuda, the number three overall pick in the draft, is a 76. And that's not bad at all for rookies. Last year, there was only one rookie who was an 80. And that was Quinn and Williams, who a lot of people thought was going to be the best player in the draft class last year. I don't have a problem with 76 for Jeff Okuda. I think he's going to start. And I think he will right away, again, if he plays well, move himself up. But as I said, remember the, how they look at rookies. You have to show it and earn it over and over again in order to get a really, really high rating. So even if Jeff Okuda plays really well, I don't, you know, he could end up being an 84, 85 by the start of next year. But I wouldn't anticipate him. He would have to have a really good year, I think, in order for that to happen. DeAndre Swift is a 74. Similar situation to Jeff Okuda. I think a 74 isn't bad. He's the second highest rated running back on the Lions behind Kerryon Johnson, who's an 82. But Swift's another guy that if he ends up being the lead back for the Lions, which, again, I think they're going to go by committee, but if he ends up getting a lot of the carries then you look at that and you say, okay, well, he probably, if he plays well, will get a large bump in next year in Madden 21. And just to give you an idea, when you look at halfbacks around the league and what they've done to show that, yeah, they're they're serious about it. Derrick Henry moved all the way up to a 93 after an, a really, really good year. Nick Chubb is now a 92. So they have no problem moving running backs up really quickly if they have standout seasons. Like that's never been a question when it comes to Madden and how they handle running backs. But Devin Singletary is an 82, for instance, like we were talking about. I mean, last year as a rookie, he was nowhere near that. And frankly, I think you could see a similar type of jump from Swift. If Swift plays well, maybe he ends up being in the low 80s next year. Carryon Johnson stayed where he was. Obviously, he was hurt. So, you know, sorry, he didn't necessarily stay where he was. He's an 82 now. So you look at that and say, okay, that makes a ton of sense. You look at the rest of the roster and, I mean, it's a lot of guys in the mid to low 70s, which one would expect. Obviously, Jerry Davis being a 70 
to me, shows his play over the last couple of years. 69s for Julian Okwara and Will Harris. That, in a lot of ways, I think fits both Okwara as a, as a third-round pick, as a rookie, and Will Harris as a second-year safety. Um, going down the list, I mean, Hal Vitae is another guy that he comes out and he plays well. This is really his first big starting shot. Then he could end up moving up really quick. Right now, he's a 67. But again, spread. Remember that we talked about it last year when I wrote about the game. And I'm going to reemphasize it this year that they want to make the game as realistic as possible. And part of that is to make a guy who's maybe average or below average at his position make it feel like it. So a 67 isn't necessarily the worst rating in a game where a few years back, if you had were starting a guy at 67, you're probably doing it wrong. This year, at least early on, before you're able to build your team if you're playing franchise, that's just going to kind of be a rating you kind of have to deal with. Obviously, you'd rather have all guys in the 70s, but it's just part of it. Um, you know, you look at down the list and... I mean, there's Jonah Jackson, who could end up being the starting right guard for the Lions, a 63. That's not great, but, you know, he's another guy that could get jumped up quickly if he wins the starting job, just based off of that, and then you watch him play early on. The lowest-rated Lion in the game, that would be Dom Mulebach at a 47, but listen, long snappers are always rated pretty low. That's just kind of what happens, and... He's rated much higher as a long snapper, but that is his overall rating. Among guys who will actually play a position, Dan Skipper is the lowest rated Lion at 54, followed by David Blau at 56, obviously. If you remember, that's that's a better rating for David Blau than he had a season ago when David Blau, and this was one of my favorite stories of Madden in recent vintage, David Blau, he, he was a 48 last year. At the start of the game. And then he basically went on Twitter and said, hey, guess what? He was the lowest rated rookie quarterback in the game. And he said that he would give $250 to the first guy who could turn David Blau, virtual David Blau, into an MVP and Super Bowl champion. And that had to come on all Madden. So guess what? I don't know if anyone actually did that. I never checked with David Blau on that, if anyone actually came to him with that. But he's rated a little bit higher now. He's a 56. His awareness is way better you know it was last year it was a 55 to start the year and now it's a 64 so that's better he obviously got some real starting experience which helped him out so yeah I look at all that and I say all right well look at that David Blau you're a 56 now you're not the lowest rated quarterback in the game anymore so that's really great for you and and we'll see kind of what happens in the future but if David Blau talks to the media or gets to talk to the media at any point during the preseason here that's definitely gonna be a question that I want to ask by the way if you're curious where David Blau ranks now he is not even in the top or bottom 10 quarterbacks in the game the lowest quarterback rating this year is Tyler Bray and Logan Woodside at 47s and yeah he's he's well well in the middle of the 50s he's tied at 56 with Paxton Lynch and Geno Smith and Kyle Aletta and CJ Beathard so that's you know in backup slash third string range depending on the team so not that that's okay I think when you're looking at David Blau if you're David Blau considering where you were last year so 
that is a little bit of a breakdown of some of the Madden ratings that stood out to me. I'm able to answer any questions you might have on Madden ratings now and in the future. Like I say, if you ever want to play, let me know if you have Xbox and we can make it happen. Thanks as always to my sponsors, Steel Dash and Bet Online. To Regents Field, check them out. They are now open on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. They're reopened. And obviously, Blue Wire. Thanks, as always, for hosting this podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And we will chat with you tomorrow.